Tom and Lorenzo. And this is the Popsile Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the senior Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald, and I'm here with the low and your Tilo, Lorenzo, my cousin, my lovely husband. Hello. I'm very punchy. We've had a really busy week. Lots of red carpet <laughs> stuff this week, which is super, super great. I got up at 5 a.m. to watch the Ted Lasso finale because... Um, we made a deal with each other that if one of us <laughs> did the Ted Lasso finale, the other one would put together a post for um, boot shopping. This is how we run our business, folks. The same way we run our marriage. It's all yes. compromise and promises. Anyway. Agreement. <laughs> yes. Um, that's why we're still together after 25 years. Um true. So it's not a big week on the culture front. I really... Um, and I, I, once again, I have to talk to, to those of you out there, you blessed people who subscribe to the newsletter. I know. It is a daily uh, concern of mine that um, it's not going out with the frequency I would have liked. But um, things really picked up in a way that even I was... I knew September what things were really going to pick up, but it really caught me off guard how much they picked up on our right. site. Very, very happy to hear that. And I'm really... We're really in the weeds right now on a book proposal that is very, very time consuming. I really don't want to talk about anything that's not locked into place, but we're working very hard on that. And every time I think I come up with something to talk about, either it it becomes over-discussed in the time it takes me, or it's one of those things where where you wind up talking about the latest argument on Twitter or something like that. And I just don't... We don't want want to go back to social media or social media issues every single time. Well, it does define our world, and I don't mean just yours and mine. I mean everybody else's. But um, I also... I, I still firmly believe blogging is something that once you become pro and that is your business, you have to go out every day and blog, whether there's something there or not. That is what you you have to do it. Right. Um, that's your business. And the whole point of a blog is that it updates, you know, several times, you know, the more successful ones update, you know, several times a day. But a newsletter, unlike everything else, and even our podcast is is on a schedule. We have to do it, you know, a certain number of times. Um but a a newsletter, I firmly believe, like that only goes out when I really and we really feel like we have something to say and something new to say right, about right, it. Right, which right. is again why we are nowhere near ever charging for this. The point is not to charge people, but um, we do want subscribers. The point is to engage, to engage, and yeah. to allow us another platform. And it's just that right now, you know, through late summer and early fall, I just, we just have not been able to return to it. Um, and like this week, for example, the. Um, the um, Bad Art Friend article dropped on the New York Times and it just exploded and maybe you've read it. Um, It certainly was all over social media and it still is, but it was about two friends in a writing community one you know what i'm not even going to tell the story all it's just basically that it blew up and it was one of those blue dress white dress sort of things where depending on your point of view you could see it one way or see it in a completely opposite one person is the villain or the other person it's like someone said on twitter i forget who uh said uh, she's a monster now you decide which one is right right which one i'm talking about (laughs) um and i did have thoughts about it because it does dive into things like uh writing communities and identities as writers uh helen rosner the new yorker writer the food writer made a really couple really great points about the writing community and how there there is a difference between people who identify themselves as part of a writing community mm-hmm. and people who um go ahead uh, there's some weird i think our air just kicked in is that what it is i guess um mm-hmm. it never picks up on the mics trust right. me mm-hmm. 
Although someone will let me know if I'm wrong about that. Uh, the difference in writing communities between those who see themselves as part of a community of writers and right. those who see themselves as professional working writers. Um, and her point was that if you're a working writer or prof- who have reached has reached some level of professional, you know, standing, so to speak, um, you're not really going to see yourself as part of a community. Um, it, it's your job. It's not a community. And then, but there was an entire, um, you know, group of people who uh, there's a whole world. There's there's conferences and there's you know um, online groups and there's meetings that meetups that people have. I've ha- I've known a lot of people who are part of writing groups and there's nothing, nothing at all. And Facebook groups <laughs> that I'm not. Um, there's nothing about that right, that right. I'm criticizing. And I absolutely feel that people in writing communities are writers. They're, you know, not being published doesn't, you know, being published does not make you a writer. That's my point. But there is a line separating those in the writing world who are published and make a living off of it and those who don't. And this is what that story sort of, it, one of the many things that story unpacked. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because I started off as an amateur writer and now I'm a pro and I've had to move from one side to the other and I can sort of see both. But in the time, it, and I mean within 12 hours, in the time it would have taken me to write this thing, it became so over-discussed and so binary. Like everyone yeah, had just yeah, drawn yeah, battle yeah, lines yeah. and started moralizing like, if you feel this way, then you're this. And, and I thought, oh, God, no, I don't even. And that tends to happen so much lately, uh, is that culture is just moving so ridiculously fast. The zeitgeist is just on speed at the moment. Yes. And um, that's how it feels now when you write about anything on anything, social media. Yeah. It, you have the ones defending you or liking you. Right. And then the other ones who hate you and think, what the, who the hell, what the hell are you talking about? That's why I had to get up at 5 a.m. to Type watch Ted thing. Lasso. Yes, yeah. Because if you're going to do a, a season finale review of Ted Lasso, you oh better get God. that thing up. Yes. There, you don't do it at four and, in the afternoon. And walk away. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's just the nature of the game. But I promise you all, those those of you who have um, subscribed and waited patiently, it's... We'll have it's always yeah. going to be our baby. It's there's always going to be something coming out of there, and um, I just don't want it to be frivolous. That's the thing we've talked about this, right? And you know, we've we've said like, oh, just put out some recipes and some pictures of cats, and and honestly, people, I know some of our readers would love that, but um, we really want something that's different from a blog, different from a social media post, uh, different from the work we've been doing, right? Um, and this is a big reason why we did the newsletter. It's clearly not for money we're not charging anything and there's no ads on it but uh you stay in this game uh for as long as we've been in this game by keeping up on you know keeping yourself fresh you know trying out new platforms and ways of talking we wouldn't have started the podcast you know if we if we just wanted to remain bloggers you know our whole life anyway that was a diversion. <laughs> yeah, I, I need a map now. Oh, please, shut up. I've had coffee. Did I mention I got up at 5 a.m.? Listen, let's talk briefly, just in, in a style, just to put the style in pop style opinion. Oh, look, Miss Daisy's on the oh, dining room table. She yeah. never participates. Yes, she's very lazy. She's very girl. unsure. Okay, <laughs> so just to put the style back in pop style opinion, Fest, why don't we talk about the uh, Adele covers yeah, briefly? Yeah, Well, she, she's... She has a new something, right? Album or song or Way something. Way to fill in the readers, No, my point is that she's out there doing her PR thing. And of yep. course, everything is 
you know, comes together. Uh, and now she's on the cover of Vogue, and she's not on just the cover one, of American Vogue, and not just it. one Vogue uh, cover, but two covers: the American version, uh, the American uh, uh, Vogue, and the British Vogue, uh, which is an interesting thing. I mean, I, I don't think they've done. They've that never in, done it. Yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting that those two uh, issues got together and and came up with this idea of you know launching two covers at the same time right and the only reason i really wanted to bring it up is because there was a reaction to these covers and i was like huh that's not how i see it and i figured this would be a good time to sort of well, unpack the thing our... is that if you if you here here's my take if you do first of all can i just explain what the reaction was yes go ahead um, the immediate consensus seemed to be, well, Anna Winter should be embarrassed by by this because Edward Enenfeld, who is the uh, is her counterpart in, in, in British Vogue, his cover was much more exciting and my and if I had to pick, I would say yes, the British Vogue cover is my favorite because she looks absolutely stunningly glamorous in it. However, the American Vogue version, it is very Anna Winter. It is very much looks like something f- from a, a 19th century society painting. Mm-hmm. It's very aristocratic in tone uh it's very dramatic and it's not a busty voluptuous that's not anna winter which is how she was done right. for british vogue and there were all these people who just immediately was like oh he totally schooled her and i was like no it's two different just approaches. like to talk they I mean, just like a good guy and a bad guy they just like to talk and they all hate her which i understand i'm not here to defend her like i'm not here to defend her and i think she's kind of dated by this point but uh, these things are, are decided together. Uh, they all got together. Right. 500 people got together to decide what to show, what to cover, what to be on the cover. And I'm sure they come up with the idea, all right, we do a close-up. One does a close-up and the other one does a, a, full, a full body. body. And the thing is that people are just picking fights because... If they only had the British Vogue cover, then they would complain that, well, you know, they don't want to show her whole body. You know, shame on you for not showing her whole body because she's not, you know, a size zero, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then talk about, you know. Right. Uh, body well, shaming and all Part of the criticism of the American Vogue cover was that she's in this enormous body covering gown. Now, I don't feel like this is a, an example. First off, I mean... I'll be perfectly blunt here. Adele has the body now that Anna Winter likes to feature on her covers. So she, Anna would have no reason right, to exactly, want to cover it up. Exactly. Anna does, and her stylists do, love huge, they, sweeping, they couture-like like looks. Yes. They don't necessarily like big-haired, busty girls on their cover the way Edward Enninful did it. So, he does like that. I mean, if you yeah, look at the Vogue which is fine. It's super covers, glam. the British Vogue covers, they tend to be like that. It's a close-up. It's usually vintage-inspired. That right. one looks like... It's 60s yeah so he he does like that his style Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you know they're trying to shame her or they you know they don't care about the way she looks now blah 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 it's just people like to talk i don't Uh, know if this will survive anna winter but one of the things that i think uh that i like about american vogue is it is the one american fashion magazine that has held on to that haute couture aristocratic vibe, that approach to fashion, that it is a rarefied form of art. Um, and I like that there's at least one magazine that feels that. Maybe you think that's snotty and unrelatable, and okay, fine, but you know, haute couture exists. You know, I think I think she and I, you know, I'm 
again, you can say whatever you want about Anna Winter, but she has done all kinds of covers. Her f- most famous cover, I think, was her first cover or whatever. It was some. It was a model wearing a couture top with jeans or something like right. that. Right. So, and that was kind of like shocking. wow, shocking at the time. So she's done stuff like that. I mean, she made the decision of do a couture, you know, grand, grandiose portraiture, uh, grandiose, kind of thing. yes, like a mansion type of 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 cover, and that's fine. Right. I mean, that's been done a zillion times, and uh, and it. It's fine that they're very different. I think that's they great. They should be. They should be different. Why would you want yes. them to both do exactly. the same exactly. cover? Exactly. Um, I just don't think hers is any less legitimate than his that, or any less fabulous. I think it's a gorgeous picture of her. That didn't even cross my mind. I just looked at two beautiful covers. Yeah, like with very talk. different yeah. approaches. Uh-huh. But um, anyway, that's our little style it's talk. It's very interesting because now, because we've been doing this for so long, even when I tweet or whatever, you kind of like, before you hit enter, you think of all the possibilities of... <laughs> Well, yeah, that's actually been a discussion a lot lately about how our minds are getting poisoned because we're yeah, all online yeah. and, and that's, we can't form a thought without defending it from what a, we think is going to be the attack. Right. That's a horrible thing, I think. Uh, I forget the topic. Uh, there was someone on, on social media, on Twitter. She was complaining about pictures she posted. I forget what po- She posted a picture of a, her lunch or whatever, and people were criticizing her lunch and talking about her lunch and all kinds of cre- nasty comments. And she said... And she said something very interesting uh, that I totally agree with, that she she said, uh, we're not programmed, <laughs> wired, for that much hatred and, and criticism to come at you at once like right. that. Uh, and social media has done that. Uh, you post anything online, on Instagram or anywhere, and you just bombarded with, with a ton of criticism. Right. Uh, and yes, you can say, well, you know, you chose to post it, so now, you know, you, you take it. Yes and no. I mean, you should be able to just show your lunch or whatever, your kid, your trip, you know, your trip somewhere or whatever, uh, without being criticized so much. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to get into details, but we had a situation like that on Instagram that I never forgot, and it really hurt me. Mm. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. But anyway, the thing is that this is th- this is how it is. You caught me off guard. I was sipping Go my ahead. coffee. I didn't know <laughs> you were going to stop right there. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to get into social media. We talk about it all the time. But I hear you. I completely agree with everything you just said. Uh, we are going to talk about... You know, I didn't want to do a two TV show podcast back to back. So we're going to try and take a different approach, slightly different approach with this one, because we just did one that was all TV reviews last week. But we do want to talk about two things that are on Netflix this week that literally, uh, not literally, (laughs) but that seemingly everybody is talking about right now. And one of them is the most popular thing that has ever been on Netflix. Yes, ever, ever. Uh, that's Squid Game. Yes, the number uh, one show yeah, in, in 90 countries, The apparently. South Korean uh, yes. drama sort of, I don't even know how to classify this. Show. I was going to say adventure show, but it's not really an I think adventure. it's more like a horror, I don't know. Thriller. Drama thriller. thriller. Yeah. Um, and uh, also Diana the Musical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two very different things that are both uh, sort of dominating the Netflix conversation this week. And listen... Um, these I know we're going to get into the a little bit of Squid Game. We're not going to get into anything spoilery about no, it. No. Um, and how could we possibly spoil Diana? Uh, so this is more or less like <laughs> a, I, as I said to Lorenzo, I was like, let's make this about why we think these shows suddenly became. I mean, we watched Squid Game this week, and I I kept saying to you, 
I have no, and I seriously have zero criticisms of this show, uh, except for one that I'll get into later. Um, but I didn't understand why it took off as much as it did. Now, I do not want to, <laughs> I can see you ready to talk. And before you do that, I want to talk about every plate. And then we'll get back to our TV discussion. Experience full plates and fuller plot. Fuller Wallets with America's Best Value Meal Kit. Every plate makes home cooking easy and affordable as a much cheaper alternative to takeout, but just as delicious. Think of it this way. One meal from every plate is the same price as one cup of coffee. Let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a delightful price. Recipes come together in about 30 minutes, definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch. We have been using every plate yes. a lot, and I love their recipe. I'm a, I'm all... Lorenzo likes to tell people I'm an accomplished home cook, and I <laughs> yes, think sometimes no, he brags on, a little bit no, about no, that. That's but not true, but anyway. I know my way around the kitchen, and um, even so, I like these recipes because they challenge me, and I don't mean they're hard to do. They challenge me with ingredients or yes. tastes yes. or styles that I wouldn't necessarily make on a weeknight or on a moment's notice, but everything comes with the meals, so you don't have to think right. about it. I've, I've witnessed, because I don't cook. <laughs> I've witnessed. Witnessed me cooking, yes. <laughs> I've, I've experienced and witnessed many people looking at a recipe and say, oh, oh, this sounds great, and then they go through all the ingredients and go like, oh, but I don't have this and that, and right. I don't feel like going out to just buy this. No, you get the whole package. Um, you get all the ingredients in the right amount you need, which it's also great. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It's just great um, meals. There's right. these delicious right. restaurant right. quality meals that none of them, not one of them that I've ever cooked has been difficult to cook. They don't hand you something that requires a lot of expertise on your part. Meal planning can feel like one more item on an endless to-do list. Every plate provides easy-to-follow recipe cards and pre-proportioned ingredients so you can spend less time prepping and cooking and more time enjoying good food with family or loved ones. Choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins, veggies, and sides to your liking. I love that flexibility about it. Every plate makes it easy and affordable to cook hearty, delicious, family-pleasing meals. And every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients, so now is the perfect time to focus on saving money easily. Give yourself and your wallet a break. Enjoy delicious, affordable meals delivered to your door and ready to go in just six simple steps. So try every plate for just $1.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code TLO199. That's E-V-E-R-Y-P-L-A-T-E.com. Code TLO199 for just $1.99 per meal. Thank you. Every plate. That is up to a $100 value. All right, so um, let's. Which one do you want to start with? Um, Squid Game. Yes, let's let's go with it. Okay, so um, Squid Game. Um, I don't know. Do I need to explain what this show is? I don't even know how to explain what this show is. I, I the closest thing I feel like I could relate it to as, in, and I thought of this show a lot during it was Lost in a weird way because right. it was about isolated people in this really fucked up, mind blowing situation right. that was also at times would turn incredibly violent, and then it would flash back to their life stories and explain things about why they were there. so. It had that it it was similar, but way more fucked up and way more violent. Um, now you. We talked earlier in the week about whether we were going to write anything about this, and I was like, oh, God, no, absolutely not, because um, 
it would take a, you know, God bless any writer who, who is out there and has that time, but running your own blog, you don't always have time to do these sorts of things. And it would take a week of research right. into like, you know, South Korean television, South Korean class and politics, because it's clearly all commenting on that in the, in much the same way that Parasite did. Um, and I don't feel like I have the expertise. Right, right, and right. when we get into this discussion, I, that's, I'm putting that out there right now, because I cannot talk about it in terms of you know, how the culture it originates from sees right. it yeah, or mean, why it into, does. It just, I'm sorry, go ahead. We can't get into details, but there are basic elements that, that they're very clear. Uh, first of all, is, is the uh, game element. People are fascinated by games. You know, Is playing. that why you think? I think that's why it's the number one show because it's, it's about people uh, struggling in a way right. and it's uh, uh, financially and then doing whatever they can to... Uh, Become a better person. Do you know, I thought it was a reality competition when I first heard about I, it. I, 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 it's, it's very interesting you said that, and I think that, and and the game thing, the fact that people are competing in, and and it can get into. I well, thought it was a real thing. I didn't right. know at at first how I think violent. That's why I think that's why, I think that's why it's so popular, and I also think the violent violence. Uh, Play it's a game too, no pun intended. That you know, people like that. They like to see like situations like that. Right. Um, so I think that's why the show became so popular. I saw it. I think we had screeners for it, but I avoided as much as I could because mm-hmm. because I'm I'm I don't like violence on TV. I honestly thought it was a South Korean reality TV show. And I, I thought was it like, was oh, going to be really. very violent based on what I read, and I was like, I don't want to do this. But then everybody started talking about it, and it was everywhere. Every yeah. single page I opened. They were talking about it. It's like, all right, I have to give it a shot. And I just fell in love with it. Um, yeah, it is violent, but I avoided most of the things that I thought it was a little bit too much for me. But I thought it was fascinating. Um, loved the way, loved the actors. And uh, because I watch so much international shows, movies and, and TV shows, I, I've, I'm, I'm always interested in meeting new people new actors from different parts of the country of the world I mean, yeah yeah i love that so there were some great performances in this amazing one. performances and and so great and then you you get attached to one of them you know you kind of become obsessed with the characters and what's going to happen i mean seriously towards the end i'm like i was watching the episodes and i was like oh my god just keep going keep going i can't wait anymore uh i i love love the whole thing Love the concept. Um, this whole idea of—I'm um, not going to give anything away—but the whole idea of playing games of, of children's games, right? Um, who that all, were become uh, life and death situations right, that are so innocent in a way, and then it—you know—it turns into this violent thing, right? Um, and it's interesting. I was reading interviews with a bunch of people, and they, they all say these games are very popular, or they were very popular at some point in Korea. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're fascinating to watch these people playing them. Um, the sets are amazing. Everything, yeah, I oh wanted my to talk God. about that. Go For ahead. myself, I feel that the uh, uh, the visuals of the show are mm-hmm. a huge part of its, yes. its appeal to people. Because honestly, the story is relatively simple. It's basically a much more violent version of The Hunger Games with a sort of childhood game un- element underlying <laughs> right. it. But... Um, you may have seen the giant robot girl oh my God, when that's I taken thought, out of children's yeah. books from the seventies in in Korea. That's what that character uh-huh. was based on, or the these the settings that just look like a candy factory. That you know the sta- the pink staircases and the bright pastel colored doors and everything. 
um, a lot of thought was put into how the I and the um, green tracksuits are freaking iconic now. They, I mean, they're already selling out for Halloween. Oh apparently. my god! Can you imagine? All yeah, that green tracksuits yeah. are selling out for Halloween. And the, those masks and the red suits. Just the visual yeah. of of just hundreds and hundreds of people in those green um, tra- those very distinctive green tracksuits, and then you had. You know the the people in the pink suits with the you know the fencing masks and the and the shape you know the geometric shapes on them and everything just a fantastic totally bizarre right. visuals that elevate the show right right uh sim- elevate the show beyond say um, the difficulties of following subtitles like it's you're so in awe of the visuals that it you know I binged it I binged what is it. Uh, six seven eight no, episodes I think it's eight eight episodes and i did it i think over two nights and i'll be perfectly blunt i don't do that much binge watching of subtitled shows because you are reading for four five hours yes. at a time reading and, and paying attention i'm trying time. to pay, and that's just exhausting so i don't normally do that because I, I i the only other time i did it recently was dark actually, actually it's nine episodes by the way um dark was the german time travel show that again right. pulled me in and kept me, and even though it is exhausting to read subtitles that intently for that length of time, um, you know, packed over two days, the visuals of this show just elevate the experience so much. That I, I don't know how else to put it. You don't feel like you're reading subtitles because you're just so in awe of what you're looking at on right, screen. Right, right, And it's so intense. <clears throat> you know, everything it's, is moving Like I said, so the, act, the acting is amazing. What I like about... <laughs> violence from another from other countries uh <laughs> let's talk a little bit about violence is that it's not the american way the usual american way of, of showing violence that you know it's coming you know americans have a tendency i, mm, I don't know about well, that sometimes you, you were not expecting it right it just happens and um or they yeah it, i mean they go for it immediately it's not that sometimes i feel like american uh, violence you know they they they, they build this situation right, where, right, right. where you you know they pause a little bit and then it's coming and it, it doesn't actually happen right away like would happen in real life um the doll oh my god I, the first thing i first thing is that i i didn't know anything about it so i started watching it i knew it was going to be violent and the people were going to fight that i knew um but when i saw the doll <laughs> and then everything started yeah. happening i was like what the how this is insane right and i mean I there is it. i know for instance the red light green light thing which is the first um game that they play and it has a huge it's an enormous mass of people playing um when it turns violent it is both horrifying but your jaw drops at this there's no other way to put it the spectacle of it it's yes, like ben-hur yes. it's like watching violence on yes, this huge yes. level that is just I don't know how else to put it. I'm not a bloodthirsty person. I don't revel in violence, right. but I guess I'm just impressed by the filmmaking here. The way it was just the turn from a childhood game where everyone's a little confused yes. to this moment of just panic and horror where hundreds of people are screaming. I'm not really selling the show right now if that's not what you're into, but it's just amazing it filmmaking. Amazing. Another I'm, moment I yes. want to talk about, I don't know if it's the third or fourth episode. It's it's how they use these games. It's the tug of war. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. The cliffhanger ends. They say we're going to take three steps forward on the count of three. One, two, three, and it ends. And you hear someone screaming. And I, I'm I watched that, and I remember saying out loud, "That is such a good, 
like such a good cut. Like yeah. you ended that, you directed that perfectly. So it has all these great moments of tele. Like it's just really good filmmaking, really yes. good television. Yes. yes. But yeah, it's violent. It as is hell. violent, and believe me, I don't like violence. But you you watch it because, as you said, it's so beautifully done. Uh, the uh, cinematography, the 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 visuals, the sets, the games, everything is just over the top, incredible. And as to why, I think all of these reasons count as to why people have become obsessed with it. I mean, kudos to Netflix for for seeing right, the show but- for what it was, but. Um, for me, I am struck, I'm a little amused, actually, in a dark sort of way, that, um, you know, early in lockdown, our our entertainments were so gentle and so soothing, and it was like, you know, people singing on balconies and Chris <laughs> right. Evans reading children's books, <laughs> right. and now we're at a point where we're just like, no, fuck this, capitalism is killing us all, let's just watch a bunch of people getting slaughtered, because it is a capitalist critique, it yes, is very it is. much a capitalist very. critique, much like Parasite was. Um so I do think that is a huge part. Like people are in a very dark, angry space right now. And I this I should go back to my point. I'm only talking about why Americans are following it right now. This is my point. I can't really talk right, about right. other countries, but I can see why Americans who are not in the habit of making South Korean subtitles shows the hottest thing on Netflix. Right, right. That, this is what I'm trying to unpack. And my point is that we are in a really dark place right now. Uh, we've seen, um, for a lot of us, we've seen just the system crash and fail over the last several years. And we've, it feels like the world is getting more and more violent. And on top of everything else, we're coming out of a period where many of us don't trust the people to the left or the right of us. Right. And this show taps into all of that stuff. It is clearly not a critique. I mean... It's not in any way meant to comment on America, except in the sense that all these bad, bad, bad American actors show right, up right, in right, one right. episode. I think, I but think... it is there's something so universal, much in the same way about Parasite. Something so universal about these critiques. Something so hard hitting about these critiques that Americans are just eating it yeah, up. I think. I think the reason, another reason why I think it's so popular in the whole world is because anyone can relate to social economic divides and and the exploitation of of the poor. Right. By the rich, you know, all right. that. I mean, you see that in, in any country, no yeah. matter how rich the country is. So you see all that uh, capitalism, as you said, all that stuff. Right. I mean, uh, you, you you relate to that or, you you know, you can see why they do it. Um, I have to say I'm very proud of Netflix. <laughs> Because Netflix has really invested in, in international shows. Uh, apparently, uh, Netflix spent $500 million in Korean entertainment alone. Wow. Um, they so, got money. So that's why you see so many Korean shows now on Netflix. And I love that. I love that. I mean, we... I mean, do you remember anyone talking about any, any Korea, anything before Parasite? No. No. Uh, so this is fantastic. I think this is great. Uh, oh, except for K-pop, of course. Yes, but I think that's fantastic that, that you see that a lot on TV and, and people are willing to read, you know, <laughs> uh, subtitles. You know, I think that's great. Um, uh, also, the creator, I mean, he's incredible. His story is incredible. Like, he tried to sell the uh, the uh, the show to a bunch of studios and stuff, and nobody, everybody said no. Um, and finally, you know, he's having his chance now to, you know, shine, which I think is fantastic. Like, he, the show, he said, it's based on, on his many, many years of reading um, Japanese and Korean uh, comic books, which I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so it's not really about whether we can recommend it to you because we assume that you've you've made your choice on that matter. Right, it, it's right, such exactly. a discussed show, but um, 
for me, at least, yeah, I, I am fascinated that this is the show that people are all talking about in the way we were all talking about Tiger King 18 months ago. You know, know what I mean? I or, or actually Ted Lasso. This is what I mean. We were looking for all this gentle, diverting, weird sort of um, entertainment. And right now we're, we're just in a period where we're like, no, let's just watch people slaughtering each other because they're victims of capitalism. That just seems to make sense to me right now. So uh, would love to hear people's thoughts on this. Um, Yes, I really liked it. But no, I've said this before. It's one of those shows where I'm like, yeah, I don't know how who I can quite recommend right, it to. Right, because right. you've really got to buy into the violent aspect of it. Like I said, I waited a long time. I mean, I kept looking at it coming up. On, Personally, on, I didn't think... I mean, I've seen worse violence. I've, I mean, American Horror Story true. has well, worse violence. That's why I was the able Walking to The Walking Dead. Yes, that's why I was, I was able to watch the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it, it's violent, but it's not that horrible. No, I um, mean, no. Uh, yeah. It's not like there's creative ways of killing people. They just shoot people. It's just people getting shot left, right, and center. Okay, anyway, so moving on. I mean, total 180 here to uh, Diana the Musical, which I had absolutely (laughs) no intention of watching. Same here. The thing is, when this musical was announced, uh, it it played, I think, in like the La Jolla Playhouse on the West Coast. And I think there were plans, yes, there were plans to bring it to Broadway. They still want to do it. It is opening on Broadway. Uh, but then the pandemic happened. Right. Um, and I remember seeing pictures of the lead actress. What is it? Gina Vanderwall? Yes. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I've had a lot of coffee. It dries me out. Um, and I saw pictures of it. And I I mean, without hearing a word of it or seeing a bit of it, and this is going back almost two years ago, I, I remember thinking, There's, who, who thinks this is a good idea? I know. I know. It was just a, an immediate, like, who, who really thinks that's a good idea? Um, my initial reaction was to the photograph of her in whatever she was wearing at the time. And, and she just doesn't look like Diana. She looks like someone dressed up like Diana for Halloween in the entire (laughs) run of the show. That is what she looks like. She showed up for a Halloween party dressed as Princess Diana. She's got the weird ass wig. Um, (laughs) so before ever seeing a word of it or, or or hearing a sound, uh, you know, one note of it, I was like, no, that really sounds like such an awful idea. And this woman looks terrible in this costume. Why would anyone want to watch this? And then the pandemic came and blah, blah, blah. It is opening or has opened on Broadway. I mean, it's it's somewhere in this period right now it is opening on Broadway. But for some bizarre reason, it's also on Netflix at the same time. Netflix released a version that the cast all performed at the height of the lockdown to an empty house. It opens uh, November 2nd. Okay, so it opens next month. 2nd, 17th, yeah. Okay. Um, but you can watch it now on Netflix without an audience. So it's just this weird, very quiet performance. And it's just, I'm trying so hard. I can't even form my thoughts here. There's so much. I will say, (laughs) I wish I could tell you it was a so bad it's good kind of thing where you should, oh, just sit on the couch with with a couple bottles of wine and your best girlfriends and laugh your way through it. And I'm not saying you can't do that, but... The general problem with trying to tell a musical, trying to tell a version of Princess Diana's life in a musical is her life is a tragedy. And long stretches of her adulthood are dreary, horrible, you know, periods of mental health issues and eating disorders and, uh, you know, cheating and gaslighting and abuse and... How so, are you going to sing about all and, that? I mean, to the sh- I don't know if it's to the show creator's credit or or it illustrates how crazy they were that they put it all in there 
They put Diana's cutting in there and her eating disorders the in AIDS there. The AIDS patient. And they, well, I mean, I can understand wanting but to singing, do. singing? All the AIDS uh, patients The singing. singing Come I on. mean, when it got to the AIDS patients, I almost <laughs> I almost tweeted I know, this. And then I'm I was like, it. I can't tweet this because if people don't know us, they're not, they're going to be completely offended. But we're watching the, and watching this happen. And then suddenly she's, you know, in the AIDS ward. And we just looked at each other and said, <laughs> The AIDS patients, <laughs> and then we burst out laughing, which is terrible. But it, here was, and I mean, I know AIDS has been covered in it. Like Rent is all about people with AIDS uh, or people with HIV. So I'm not opposed, but yeah, I but just knew it was going to handle it one badly. One of the AIDS patients things, like I, I, I'm sick, but Sassy I'm, Queen makes fun of her outfit. Oh no! And then I'm, I'm, I know I'm sick, but I'm still beautiful. Or I'm still no, and I'm not blind because he made fun of her outfit. Oh, it's something like that. But it's just, oh my God, it the the lyrics. Uh, let's get into that sophomoric lyrics where everything is obsessively rhymed in that moon june books looks love glove kind of way they 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 rhymed bulimia with media with me (laughs) (laughs) i know this is this is why we we, we can't even talk about without it's horrifying at the same time i wish i could say we laughed all the way through it but we just sat there sort of dumbly silent because it is the dreariest fucking story you could imagine and none yeah. of the, none, none of the songs are any good. No, and when terrible. I say songs, what I mean is song, because every single song sounds like every other song. And since it's almost completely sung through, there are moments of dialogue. It just feels like people running on and off stage, continuing the same song for two hours. That's literally, I couldn't tell you one song title. Or hum anything. Every single song is as forgettable as possible the minute you hear it. They're terrible. They're terrible. The lyrics are horrible. The one about the gingerhead, the ginger. Harry, my beautiful ginger-haired son, or something like that. It's <laughs> like know. we burst out laughing. And I know everyone talks about that line where she says, "That's why I married a Scorpio." And that's the thing. Like these lines don't sound like these people at all. Because you know what? If you try and fit Prince Charles and the Queen into what is basically a rock opera style of musical, you're going to come up with characters that don't look or sound like them at all. They're terrible. The one about the, the dress. What is it like? Uh, express um, your distress properly, or something. In a dr- I don't fucking in, know. In a dress. In a, in a fuck you dress or in something. In a fuck you dress, yeah. <laughs> so they're, the lyrics are so like high school drama. It, they're terrible. Bad. The choreography terrible. is terrible. terrible. Um, I will say, well, I said I didn't want to turn this into a review. I will say that um, the one thing I will say that was well done are the costumes actually are really well done. The costumes are great. They the evoke great. a lot of... Um, a lot of Diana's most iconic costumes. There are a lot of quick changes on stage. Sometimes they they work. Sometimes they're very clumsy because it's that drag show thing where she wears a dress over a dress and you can tell she's wearing a dress over a dress because the dress that she's wearing is huge on her and then suddenly she rips it away and there's another dress underneath. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of put off by the fact that there are so many costume changes and there are actual several songs about dresses. And I agree, there was overkill on that front. But I mean, if you're going to do a Diana musical, you better get that part right. And I will say they did. Like, the costumes are actually really well done. I will also say that Gina Vanderwall, who plays yes, Diana, yes. is fine. I She's not an electrifying presence, but in terms of... She's fine. She interprets the material as well as she possibly could. There are moments here and there where you're like, all right, you're kind of getting giving me a Diana vibe. And then the one final compliment I will play it is 
pay it is that the um, the way they handled her death was actually very poignant and powerful. It actually took me way by surprise because after two hours of the most ridiculous dismantling of her life, they actually did something quiet and poignant that allowed her to literally walk off stage. Um, but <laughs> but everything else was just a complete it's, it's disaster. Awful. Just it, a complete disaster. Um I don't know if it would have been easier to watch if they had recorded it in a house full of people where, you know, people were clapping. I don't know if people would clap and laugh at this. They would be laughing. Come on. Would they? I don't know. We sat there dumbfounded. No, I I mean, yeah, first I was horrified and then it gets so bad that you start laughing. I mean, the line, Harry, my ginger-haired son, you always be second to none. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't they just put something in there, something that, you know rhymes with you know biracial american woman or something i'll go back to the aids patient he says i may be unwell but i'm handsome as hell there is a line that's that another patient oh my god yeah and then the uh the uh, what is it camilla when they're fighting the the the, whatever happened the the chorus is singing thriller in manila but with diana and camilla yeah i mean that's how bad it all is they're all horrible they also rhyme camilla with godzilla at one point i mean this is what we're talking about oh my god oh my god um and serves me right for marrying a scorpio that everyone is talking about so i don't know if i could really recommend i wish i could say it was as campy as it could have been um there is a moment when James Hewitt is is revealed, her lover, for the first time. Believe me, that is the one time it hits high camp. And it makes you think, wow, if they had done the whole thing like this, it could have been a Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of the thing. The thing is that However, sometimes... the music is just it is bad. bad. It is unsalvageable. There are no good... I mean, the thing about Rocky Horror is that the music was fucking phenomenal. That's right, why right, it's right. a cult classic. It doesn't matter that the acting wasn't good or that it had a cheesy B-list vibe. The music was great. <laughs> Charles, darling, I'm holding our son, so let me say jolly. Well done. <laughs> there, I mean, there's That's so like a many... B-mind Valentine's I, card that you hand out in I, third grade. Uh, there are so many lines, and if you go online, you can read all of them. Uh, the thing is that... I love camp. My God, John Waters. You know, right. I, I, I get camp. And but I'm, this I'm isn't camp. But this isn't camp. This is just bad and borderline offensive. It is. Several times. I agree. Um, I did say watching this then last night, I tweeted last night that Charles or the Queen would drop dead if they ever saw this. They would drop dead on site. It is horrifying. Yeah. Not that I care, you know, what they think of it or anything. But uh, the Spencer movie is coming out this month with... Um, Kristen Stewart right. as Princess Diana, and she is getting, people are really mad at us every time we point this out, but she is getting Oscar buzz. All of the she, crit, film yeah, critics are saying she is it for the Oscars. She's on her way. Right. So I await this with some interest, um, but uh, I just think it's interesting because, in my opinion, there is, a, and I said this when Emma Corrin, uh, when we got the screeners for the um Season of the Crown with Emma Corrin, last year with Emma Corrin as Princess Diana. And I remember saying to you, I was like, we're, we're right on the verge of a period where I think people are going to become fascinated with her again. Right. Um, not just because of that performance. I mean, I didn't know about Spencer at the time. I think I did know about the, the Diana musical. And I had read a lot of, um, we follow a lot of fashion magazines. And I had read a lot of articles about how her um, iconic pieces of clothing were trending back. Right. And they are. They still <laughs> right. are. Right. So I knew that there was... A couple of years ago, going to be this heightened... Pe- but even I'm a little taken aback. I think part of the reason why... Because we get this all the time. If we write about 
say uh, Spencer right now, uh, it's very common for people to say, who wants this? Who's, who cares about this sort of thing? And people do. She is a woman of tremendous fascination, you know, almost 25 years after her death. Um, I do think a lot of that has, it's, it's a double prong thing. It's Emma Corrin on the crown is a big reason for it. Um, but also I think Meghan and Harry. Right, right. It was, you couldn't get through the Oprah interview. You couldn't get through any of that without thinking. And he made that illusion several times where I think he said something to the effect, I can't believe I'm here where she was. Um, it, and when it came to telling uh, Megan's story and about, about being an outsider in the family and about her mental health issues not being recognized and, and being silenced and everything, there was it was just impossible. And of course, I think that was rather savvy on Harry and Megan's part to make those connections. But what, those connections were made, and suddenly Diana's being talked about like we haven't seen in 20 years. Um, so yeah, this is why there's a Diana musical on Broadway. And for at least a, a minute there, the Diana musical was like a trending top 10 sh- you know show on netflix i don't know how it's doing now with all these terrible reviews but maybe that's why people want to see it they people, people want to watch it anyway I, yeah i, and mean, I think they they should give it a shot for 10 minutes oh, i thought i thought you meant diana no. just generally but whatever i yeah i mean go and see it yourself the weird thing about the diana musical is that they they don't i did say to you when it was done that i was like you know i think Given the operatic, tragic nature of her life, you actually could do a musical on Diana. Right. It would have a much more tragic tone to it than this one, because this one was a rock opera, or at least it tried to be, uh, which, again, was probably its biggest mistake. I could see doing one or two songs. I think the whole thing was a salute to her love of Elton John, who she names at one point, and Duran Duran. So they tried to do a musical in her favorite musical styles, but that was just a mistake. So... I don't think there's anything wrong, really, with the idea of a Diana musical. Um, I actually think a Diana opera would be much more interesting, but fine, a Diana mu- But this one, it it could not commit to the tragedy or the camp. So right. it sort of vacillated in between the two. It tried to be everything at the same time, and, and the it feels like they're just telling a very... They're telling a story... Uh, chronologically. They Very, don't miss a trick. They tick off. Yes. A, a, things she said in interviews are right, actually right. turned into it, songs. It's all in there chronologically, yeah. but there's there's no sustenance. There's like no no no, no emotion. It just... There's no reason to watch it's it. It's just told. There, yeah. There's no... Yeah. Uh, and, and it, you know, you watch the whole thing, you're like, all right, you told me all the facts, but and you, you, you sang all the facts, but that's pretty much it. There's no point. Right. Uh, you don't walk away, and I hate that expression or that feeling that you have to walk away with something. But you walk away with nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it, do- it didn't add anything. It didn't add anything. It just ticked off all the stuff that you pretty much knew about her life, except they set it to bad music. Right. Um, and lots of costume changes. Um, so yeah, I, I but yeah. I can understand why Diana remains a figure of right. some fascination. I feel that Harry and Meghan are doing a lot to keep that true right now. Although Kate, apparently, like I hate these articles that come out that say, oh, Kate paid tribute to Diana because they both wore red dresses 40 years apart. I can't stand those. But apparently uh, uh, people were drawing comparisons because Diana wore, I think it was also a Jenny Packham gown to a James Bond premiere like 30 years ago. I don't freaking think that it looked all that much like the one that Kate wore last week. 
they were both, Diana's was silver, Kate was gold. Diana's was like a lame, like a silver textile. Right. And Kate's was gold embellished. So they weren't that similar. And that, and that, they had a similar silhouette. And that described pretty much any Jenny pack. I'm <laughs> I know. But I think, I don't know, I think William and, and, and Kathy are getting a little better about their image management of late because suddenly it came out that, yes, it was very deliberate and Catherine just poured over these pictures to find again. Oh, come on. Yeah. So I think both sons are um, utilizing their mother in more and more ag- aggressive ways because they're at war with each other. And that has, you know, they just unveiled the Diana statue at Kensington right, Palace right, a couple right. of months ago. Like, her interest remains extremely high. So when people are like, I don't want to watch the Spencer movie, hey, I mean, I get it. And I would not recommend the Diana musical. But I don't question why they're why the interest is but, uh, there. I, think, I can see why the interest uh, is but there. But I also think the media does a lot to that, uh, in the sense that I I you mentioned those articles. I see them all the time. I mean, Megan wears white, so so they, that's you they know, rush and look for a picture of Diana wearing some white something, right? Exactly. And then they combine the two, do a collage, and then well, she's paying homage to Diana, right? Right. Anything, any color, any fabric, but they any both texture. do that. Like Diana, I yes, mean, yes. Megan carries her Lady Dior yes, bag. Yes. That was Diana's favorite bag, and so I mean, they both daughters-in-law and right. both sons do everything they can exactly. to get what they can out of that image. And this is why, the, and because they're at war with each other right now, this is why there's so much elevated interest in Diana. Right, um, and it's why I think the the. Um, the show made a point to have lyrics about William being king someday and about Harry being second to none and everything. Like, it, they are the story now. Right. And they, and the whole reason... People have asked us why we don't cover Princess Anne or Princess Beatrice or the Spanish uh, royal family right. or any of the other royal families in the world. Um, and our, inter- our answer has always been the shame. We're just keeping it to Diana's sons. That's where the international yeah. interest yeah. lies. Yes. There, I know there are royal watchers for every family, but and there are other members of this family that people are interested in. But when it comes to the highest level of interest, and everybody in the family knows this, it's Diana's sons. Right. No one will ever gain as much press as those two boys. Right. Um, and it's not because they're Charles's sons; no. it's because they're Diana's. So Diana the musical, I it's horrible, and I highly recommend it. <laughs> I yeah, whatever. I wish I could oh, say I on. laughed through it, but I really didn't. I just groaned a lot. If nothing else, you have to watch them singing the James's uh, song, where they, uh, the James guy, um, James Hewitt. Yes, uh, he's shirtless, and it's all about on a saddle riding a horse, and yes. he can ride a horse, and she can ride a horse if she wants. <laughs> It's Please horrifying. Watch it. Watch it. Horrifying. <laughs> all right. Let us know what you all think about that. And I really want to hear people's thoughts about uh, Squid Game. Yes. And I think that's it. Until next week when we're back with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks. Take care of yourself. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.